VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, this is Danny Roth, and this is Everyday Animation. It's a podcast where we consume at least one cartoon for every day in the month of April, and then... We talk about it. Today, I am joined by the host of the video series, Nella Explains a Thing, and the co-host of the podcast, Apocalypse Book Club, Antonella and Sarah. Hi, everyone. Hi. So, we're going to talk about Pocahontas. Yeah, I just want to say right now that I was up until 3 a.m. because on YouTube, I found the making of Disney's Pocahontas special that came out in 1995 and they filmed all the segments in like Jamestown and cut it with like a lot of interviews with Russell Means and the animators and the, uh, the, the music folk. And uh, wow, that took me back to a time and place, my friends, because I don't think anyone appreciates how much and how hard they pushed Disney's Pocahontas in their marketing because it was a big deal just want to throw that out there right now yeah and i will throw out uh some relevant context um presuming that people listen to this podcast are going to listen to all the episodes including people that they do know and they don't know uh nella has worked with uh a woman named Lindsay ellis who used to be the host of a series called nostalgia check way back in the day the very first video that she ever did was about Pocahontas. Yeah. And then, so that was 2008-ish. Yes. Region. And then <laughs> 2017, she did it again in the current version of the video series that she still does. And I just want to point out that first one's kind of kind of just a Lindsay solo joint. It's not really, there isn't like a BFF Nell in the background as there came to be for a little while. And then the one that went out recently, the only two names I saw on that script were Lindsay's and, uh, and Angie's. So this to me is the, is the first opportunity for Nella to have her say on this, the thing that sort of started it all. Hey, I took that same NYU Cinema Studies class with her. I got, you know, I had the same notes. I know what's uh, what's on on about Disney's Pocahontas. But you also, I mean, I mean, fundamentally different people. So I think that your <laughs> perspective on this movie is probably going to be well. Different. Plus, she didn't go into archaeology because of Disney's Pocahontas. That's so, true. I mean, so thanks, yeah, Disney. <laughs> so let's all right. So let's start there. That's a that's a good place to start. Why did Pocahontas? drive you into the worlds of archaeology, into the, into the tender arms of archaeology. Because even though I loved the movie, it was wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I actually, um, I really got on the hype train for Pocahontas. Again, they were really pushing it. There was an animation tour that toured the country. It stopped at my mall. There were animators drawing characters from the movie, explaining all the research that had happened. They had like reconstructions of the Susan Constant. Um, you could voice your own character. And that was the thing that struck me the most as a 10-year-old, that this was an animated movie about someone who was real. Uh, And I wanted it to be, to have a historical accuracy. And a lot of the interviews at the time were really trying to point out that they were being true 
to the stories and true to the legend of it. And, but they were really trying to get that accuracy for like how life was like then if, even though they had to age her up and all this stuff, they were really trying to have the both worlds of telling to them a satisfying narrative love story versus this is a real person. And I convinced my family to take a family trip to Jamestown and it, Jamestown, there has been a historical reenactment um, interpretive site there since 1957. But by the time we take our family trip there, archaeologists had just rediscovered the remains of the fort, which had up till then thought to have fallen into the James River. And in the years and years of archaeology since so much has been discovered about day-to-day life and of those early days of the colony and of the later days of the colony uh they are doing amazing work down there and we just happened to be there one of those summers where they were at the very beginning but they they were finding some really amazing stuff and it struck me so much that later on when i was looking at what i wanted to do with my life all i could think about was how good the work of archaeology is because I I wanted to be an animator. I wanted to be a storyteller. And yet I realized what was more important was truth <laughs> than just what feels good and what passes a Kattensburg uh, and what passes a Kattensburg and Eisner uh, jam session. So <laughs> you buzzkill. Sorry. <laughs> I just want to be able to, to, to listen to somebody sing about a blue corn moon. I don't really. Have you ever it's weird talking about Pocahontas because it was past my time. I, mm-hmm. Lion King was past my time. You yeah. know, this came out in 1995. I was a sophomore in high school. I was definitely firmly in the, I'm not watching Disney movies right now. Yeah. You know, before I, you know, eventually I think you get over that. It's like that period in time when farts aren't funny and then they are again. Oh Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a a period of of people's development. I had it too. Like probably around Hercules, I started feeling like, oh, maybe I shouldn't go to any movies anymore. They're for for kids. Yeah. Uh, And then, of course, you know, Disney's Hercules is one of their their best dumb movies. It's the greatest. I love it so much. It's big and dumb and weird. And yeah, the the thing that sort of struck me about it, uh, and I and I know this has been discussed many times before, is that this was supposed to be like the one. Oh yeah. Well, because Lion had, King wasn't even supposed to be the one. There were people jumping ship from Lion King to go and work yeah. on Pocahontas because that's how far back it sort of goes. And yeah. what's interesting about that and what it makes me think of, um, to put it into my own personal context, it makes me think of how nobody wanted to work on the finale for Star Trek The Next Generation because everybody was so busy working on the first Star Trek The Next Generation movie, Generations, yeah. which was going to have Kirk in it. So wasn't that going to be great? <laughs> Let's just funnel everything, all of our money, all of our attention, all of our producers and writers on that. And then somebody sort of like spanked out uh, all good things over the course of a weekend. Yeah. And that's great. And is the and is sort of the benchmark for what a Star Trek finale can be to this day. And Generations is the one where they kill Kirk needlessly and everyone was mad. <laughs> Yeah. When you're looking at Disney at the time, uh, by the time Disney's Pocahontas comes out, Eisner and Katzenberg had been there for 10 years and they had been coming from Paramount and they had done amazing work at Paramount, like hit after hit after hit. And they really tried to bring that mentality 
to the Disney company and especially to its animation department. And so they implemented something called the gong show, which was an idea of everyone gets together and everyone has to have two pitches and we shoot them down or we decide to take them into further development. And the story goes that um, in this one particular gong show, Mike Gabriel, who would then end up becoming the co-director of Pocahontas, he had been trying to come up with concepts on Thanksgiving 1990 and he had been playing around with things like, oh, maybe something like Pecos Bill or maybe some sort of Western. And oh, now we've kind of already done that. <gasps> what about Pocahontas? Like everyone knows the story about, about how Pocahontas saved John Smith's life. I mean, there's that song from Peggy Lee about fever and stuff. <laughs> and uh, so he brings the idea up before the gong show. And I'm just like, man, could you imagine being this guy? He makes a poster pretty much using the a color image of Tiger Lily from Peter Pan because he doesn't draw women well. He admits this. I don't draw women well. So I use Tiger Lily from this movie that everyone agrees has a really bad depiction of Native Americans in it. One. <laughs> and then he just put Walt Disney's Pocahontas on the front. And on the back, he had taped his pitch. And his pitch was about an Indian princess who's torn between her father's wishes to destroy the English settlers and her wishes to help them. A girl caught between her father and her people and her love for the enemy. And Katzenberg and Eisner just get so excited because that's it. That's the Romeo and Juliet story they want uh, because they wanted a romance. They want another one. They thought romance had done really well for Beauty and the Beast. It had done well for Aladdin. It hadn't really been there for Lion King, but Lion King was popular, but they wanted to hit that sweet, sweet romance drama again. And so they, they moved forward with Pocahontas and there we go. Yeah. That's it's, it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. I think, uh, I was going to say again, contextually, it's weird to watch how people have not learned because I seem to recall sort of the thing that had come up way back when, and the, the analogy that people gave was this would be like if Anne Frank fell in love with a Nazi. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, and, and what's when the thing that's really interesting about that is that in, in the year of our Lord 2018, a movie called where hands touch came out starring Amanda Stenberg as a biracial teen in Nazi Germany, holding hands with the, with it, with it, with a Nazi youth. And I, and I thought, wow, we so just somehow we just, we just, and we can't stop. <laughs> we keep trying to touch the poop with the stick. Don't touch the poop anymore. <laughs> uh, and I do, I find it fascinating that one of the ways they sort of in their press releases and the sort of hot facts that they were throwing out about, you know, the, the myth, the legend, the reality of Disney's Pocahontas they kept falling behind the, well, you know, there's disagreement among historians about the true events of what happened. I'm like, okay, there's disagreement about, did she actually save John Smith's life? Was it actually that he was going to be killed or was it like a highly ritualistic ceremonial thing to sort of like, you know, create a, create a connection between the settlers and, and the natives of the area. Like those we can debate. What's not up for debate is she was probably 10 at the time. <laughs> She was young (laughs) and she dies at 21 in England from disease of some sort. And like she had been captured. She was like part of like a prisoner exchange. She was converted to Christianity. Like there's a lot going on with her life that is not this. (laughs) 
But no, we have to make it about the romance. And it's like, there are, and, th- and that's why I get kind of weirded out nowadays when I see Pocahontas in the Disney princess lineup. And maybe for some people like, they, yeah, still there, still, she's still, still she there. was in rough breaks, the internet. Yeah. So, yeah. She's that still was so weird to me. It was really weird. <laughs> like she's the one person who was a, who, who was based on someone who's real. Everyone, no one else. The one, the one, even Mulan, even Mulan, we can all agree on is like, like that's, that's legend. That's myth and legend. Like, come on guys. But like, she's the one. Like Neo, except <laughs> not at all. Except Disney's Pocahontas. But then I'm trying to think like, okay, why, why Disney's Pocahontas? Why in this period of Disney's oeuvre, they got so hung up on like, no, yeah, we're not only are we going to tackle history, but we're going to win awards for it because they really thought Pocahontas was going to do it between the art and the music. You know, they had, they had, well, they were getting there. Cause the thing is they'd had so many, I guess, successes, right? Cause like people love the little mermaid beauty and the beast was this huge moment. Aladdin was successful. Lion King was successful. And they were, I mean, that's, this is the, you know, very famously Disney's second golden age. Yeah. And they wanted that prestige, but, I think it also absolutely comes down to around the same time where Disney's Pocahontas gets pitched and picked up for development. What was in um, discussion was a new history theme park that they would call Disney's America that they were planning on opening in the Williamsburg area. And that was around 1993 and they would have scheduled to open by 1998 and then it just got canceled by 94. But what you have is this developmental period where Disney is really trying to see if they can make money on American history, not just in film, but in like come experience it, which is wild. Could you like I'm, so there's a story of, of Michael Eisner taking historians who were concerned about Disney doing their hottest of takes about American history. And he takes them to the American experience at Epcot, which is like a 45 minute show that mixes animatronics and video and stuff like that about, hey, American history, let's talk about it. And it's hosted by animatronics of Ben Franklin and uh, Mark Twain. So he takes them thinking this is going to show the two that- most important men in American history. Hey, I would want to be in a room with Ben Franklin and and Mark Twain. I mean, as long as I'm not watching (laughs) Ben Franklin take like his air shower. He just like he was a bit of a nudist. Oh, yeah. Ben Franklin. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's fine. I guess if Ben Franklin said, do you mind if I'm naked around you? He went to France and he used to sit in bats with women playing chess. So I'm like, I guess it's it's cool. Life goals. All right. Anyway. The the historians were horrified by this presentation. They were like, if this is what Disney's. America is going to be no thank you. Oh, see, they should have they should have showed the the Canada thing instead where you just stand in a weird circle and watch Martin Short talk about Canada uh, for a while. Martin Short wasn't part of that yet. It was still just Oh Canada at that point. Oh, they added him man. later to update it. I think he's he'd been doing it for a little while now though, hasn't he? It's, uh, it's, has it been him for a minute? I don't maybe I mean, I'm it up. yeah, yeah, for a couple of years, but by the 90s like it was still Oh Canada. Oh, okay. I, I like I'm pretty sure you could quote me on that. Okay. I will. <laughs> That's the quote that people are going to take away from this podcast. Oh, Canada was still just Oh, Canada yeah. and no Martin Short. But I do think there was a like a, a cultural push within Disney to branch out from the tired old fairy tales and to try to find new material that people could resonate with. And history can be a really bad choice because history never has 
a good narrative or the few points of history that have a good narrative, it, it can get a little fuzzy and you sort of have to end in a very particular place. And I just don't think that Disney animation appreciated that at the time, <laughs> uh, especially as, I mean, just look at the movie poster and it's, it's Pocahontas in the canoe and it's a black background with like a sort of like sun glow behind her. And it just says an American legend comes to life. It's uncomfortable. So the press release listed one of the facts about the film that it combines historical fact with popular folklore and legend to construct a compelling and romanticized tale of Pocahontas. And this push to, in their press releases and in their interviews and with everything, trying to make, we changed the story. That's a fact. <laughs> like, it's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, look, here's what I'll say as a, as a living, breathing entity. Long after I'm dead, if Disney wants to romanticize my life, sounds good. But that's me. I, you know, like, I get to say right here, right now, uh, I would love the Disney treatment. Disney wanted to make a, D- a Disney princess movie about me? Go for it. But, you know, Pocahontas can't really drop in and say, like, go nuts. Just lie about me. Just lie and lie and lie as much as you can. You know, and then the finger of the monkey's paw curls. Oh. <laughs> it's going to be fine. I mean, I'll be dead. It won't matter to me. Well. I don't know. There's there's really not a lot to appropriate from me. So Fair. Probably going to be okay. And Pocahontas also just has a strange place because for all of its problems, you, you, I do kind of agree with the producer, uh, Jim Pentecost, who in the 1995 documentary that I watched on YouTube, mm-hmm. he points out that Pocahontas is the strongest heroine we've ever had in a Disney film. And I'm like, well, I mean, I think we've reexamined Ariel and her, you know, I think every Disney princess brings something different to the table. There's no one good way of being a strong woman. But Pocahontas was, I think, something no one had seen before in a Disney heroine. Absolutely. Not just because she's based on a real person. Yeah. I mean, she listened to her heart and then she could speak the the English man's words, you know, who couldn't that, talk at all. Ari- man, Ariel that was, that couldn't was, talk in the slightest. That was all Eisner because they did want to Oh, yeah, they were talking her, about have her talk in another With language. subtitles. And, yeah. um, and he was like, no, no one's going to read that. Figure out a way. So, you know. And eventually wind. Mel Gibson got his way by being a huge anti-Semite and oh, also Lord. making that movie The Passion of the Christ where oh, everything was subtitles was all the way through. There's this one interview where um, they're asking him about the role and Pocahontas and stuff. And, he, and he's like, yeah, what a babe. <laughs> like I things I'd never want to hear from 90s Mel Gibson ever again. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to hear from him at all. But yes, that is super gross. <laughs> it was gross. It's kind of funny looking back on Dizzy Spokahannes and they tried to be sensitive. They tried to be, and this is one, one thing that was thrown around a lot, politically correct. And keep seeing them trying to slap it on Pocahontas. Like, oh yeah, Pocahontas was the politically correct Disney take. I think they what, tried what, to be. Was it? Yeah. That like, yeah. Now I almost want to unpack that because, you know, politically correct doesn't mean historically correct or even appropriate. I've been trying to unpack that in my head for a while now because, you know, they they were visiting um, reservations and and various tribes to get to to get information about how to better represent 
patent culture. Russell Means, who voiced her father, was also brought on as a consultant, and he definitely had a say in a lot of things, too. There's a lot of interviews with Russell Means at the time. And Russell Means is a big deal. You know, I mean, between his political activism and the movies he was in and stuff like that, his voice matters. And it mattered at the time. They were, he was there. And this is where it starts getting really kind of complex, complex for me because he was in many ways defending the movie because he was also pointing out that, yeah, this is an animated movie where they're showing Eurocentric males who came here to kill Indians and rob and pillage. And the, and he's like, stop nitpicking the historical accuracy of the movie. The truth of the movie is there. And the truth of of this experience is there. And yeah. it's the first time. I mean, I've Russell seen. Means is doing the thing. I mean, and, yeah. and he had, I mean, I guess he really didn't make any bones about it. He believed that he could go inside of the belly of the beast. Yeah. And do some good. And that comes with compromise after compromise after compromise. And I think after a certain point, you have to sort of decide that you're going to believe. You know what I mean? You're yeah. going to you're going to you're going to look at that poop sandwich and you're going to chow down because you made it and everybody watched you make it. And now you have to I mean, that's it. That's the corporate world. Right. When you when you're existing inside of it. And that was sort of the critique that was coming from within his own community is that he had made this choice to embrace corporate America for what he felt would be an overall good. Yeah. And. Obviously, the film that came out, whether or not you believe that it's completely historically accurate, which obviously it isn't, or that there's still something good to glean out of it, which I still am not. I mean, I guess I can't really think of a lot of animated films before that that did uncompromisingly say, yes, white man did bad thing for kids. I don't know because we were. I mean, like I don't like when I went to school, it was still as simple as. We went there and things were tricky, but then it all worked out. Yeah. That's what you get taught when you're a kid. And I, I yeah. don't know what it's like now. I can tell you what it was like in like from like 1985 to 1992, roughly. Or I would even say right off the bat, there was a discussion of the character of Pocahontas herself. And on one hand, boy, howdy, you, you, you made her a bombshell. You they, sure they did, did draw her in a very, very different way than Disney princesses up to that time. And on purpose. And they, they said something about, um, you know, this is, a, this is a more adult film. So, you know, that means sexy. Yeah. And I said, yes, that's in the same way that when uh, they made Torchwood, um, they said Torchwood will be the adult Doctor Who. And that just meant that they dropped the F-bomb a lot in that first season until they figured it out. This is, this is sort of, it's, it is, it is adult by way of saying the F word, except instead it's making a 10 year old, a sexy lady. Yeah. There's been a lot of discussion about, is she the trope of, of the native woman who throws her life on the line for the white guy? And yeah, that scene is there, but what is different is that John Smith then immediately turns around and does the same for her father. So it's like, Oh, so her act has, future consequences for all, not just like I did it for the white guy. (laughs) No, there's never going to be a good answer or a clear answer on 
love it or leave it when it comes down to this movie. Wow, they sure did try something with Disney's Pocahontas. And I think it's absolutely changed animation in general, especially for Disney. Um, I don't think you could have the sort of characters we have at now, like Moana and even Anna and Elsa and characters like that without what Pocahontas tried to do. Do you want to talk about your life as a person that has made YouTube content subsequently kind of as a result of it? It's this is sort of because it is it's <laughs> it's weird and it's great. And, I, you know, we could talk about Pocahontas all day and all night. But there is this simple truth that, you know, you and Lindsay and Lisa and folks became friends at NYU. And then somewhere along the line, this very <laughs> foolish idea uh, that has turned into something now bigger than I think anybody expected that it would uh, to make videos on the internet in the in the in the fashion of what a couple other people, but not many, were doing at the time. Well, I mean, when you take some classes about how to critically examine uh, media and then have nothing else better to do with your time because you're underemployed or <laughs> things like that. <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, like it is, it's interesting because you said, you know, you, you know, you went into archeology, span but you make videos on the internet now and do a podcast about apocalyptic fiction. Yeah. And I would assume that if not, if it weren't for Pocahontas, that probably maybe that who knows what might've happened. I mean, in the, in the echelons of history, there is a tie to this film being reviewed by your friend and then y'all making videos that then sort of transformed your life, which is weird. I feel like there are people who can say like, oh, that one movie changed my life, right? Um, and I'm sure they have like really good examples that aren't Disney's Pocahontas, but Disney's Pocahontas is mine. It came at the exact age where I was obsessed with history. I mean, I still am, but um, I wanted to know what the true story was, but I was also young enough to sort of overlook that at the moment because it was pretty and the music was great. And like the raccoon was funny. <laughs> and like that one, the one other character who was like skinny and totally coded gay was like the one who was like being like, I like hey, you. Yeah, exactly. You know, justice for Wiggins is all I'm saying. Oh, bless him. <laughs> he was my favorite. I mean, I had a lot of, I mean, it was that. And then there was the, what was the name of that? It was Ben, Ben or Lon. Like those were the two like burly Scotsmen. And one was voiced by Billy Connolly. Oh yeah, and Ben I, is Billy Connolly. Oh yeah. So good. Loved that guy too. Really here for him. And then of course, like, I mean, Thomas was a cutie. Really here for that. It was just a perfect storm of Disney animation for me. Let's wrap it all up. Like, like your obsession with history, with your love of beautiful animation, with, your growing sexual awareness of the world. Like, yeah, just throw that all in a hot mess of a pile, let it stew for like a couple of decades. And then here you are on YouTube. You're welcome. There you go. <laughs> Pocahontas should have just gone for that other dude. The dude that her dad picked. Gotta be honest. I mean, he seemed kind of hot to me. Yeah. I'm with her friend who is like, he's handsome, which by which Disney meant he can get it. Like, yeah, he could I was get like, it. I was like, he could get it. And they put the, like the little, the little bear, Paul prints on him and I was like, that's adorable. Yeah. And you know, he's too serious. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Sounds good to me. That's my hot take is that it, as a, as a middle-aged adult person, I was like a hot, quiet guy. 
you know, justice for Coco because like there he is just being like, <laughs> I mean, so Pocahontas is running around sneaking out and then he's just like, you know, you should really stay closer to the village. It's dangerous out there. And she's like, okay, thanks. Bye. And I'm like, he's looking out for you, man. He's really trying. He's really trying to make sure you're okay. Yeah, and was, it's not because he's like he a weird, right. jealous dude who's about to get married to you. It's because he is a warrior who cares about keeping people safe. Yeah. And then he gets shot and it's tragic. <laughs> yeah. Here's the deal. You can't trust Mel Gibson. That's just a fact. <laughs> Never trust Mel Gibson. I All mean, right. yeah. How, how about this for the hottest of take? Go ahead. Let's go back in time to 1990 okay. and somehow maybe I inhabit the body of Michael Eisner and you take over Katzenberg for the hottest of seconds and okay. we're in charge of we're how it. Pocahontas right. it will be developed moving forward and maybe maybe because of the nature of time travel we can't actually not make Disney's Pocahontas okay so we've got to make it we got to make it but how do we make it so it's not this <laughs> and all I'm saying is make her a 10 year old like, or 10 to 12 year old. So, you know, very much in that, like coming into a teenageness, like, like coming out of childhood, but still considered very mischievous and very like tricksy and all that stuff. And then this big life changing thing happens and then make John Smith, the bad guy, because he kind of was <laughs> because he pretty much like takes over the fort for the military coup. Now, mind you, they were terrible. Like they were doing everything wrong. And then he had some experience with, the Americas already. So he was like, nope, we got to pull it together. We've got to concentrate on food and we've got to like have order and discipline. And I'm just saying he could have been a really great bad guy who is trying to bring order and discipline to this colony while also trying to gain an upper hand over the savages right in the periphery of their existence and, and Pocahontas bridging that gap between and making mistakes that a, a child would who's very trusting and having to learn from that. I'm just saying, if you're going to go for a darker, more mature animation, you could have done it without the romance. They could have. It makes didn't. me think of Frozen, though, where the where the boyfriend guy is a bad guy, it yeah. turns out. I, you know, yeah, that's another one. I feel like that one was the result of developmental hell it went through. <laughs> that heel turn. Yeah. But that makes a lot of sense. I don't know. I always like that. I personally, I like that the, the the boyfriend guy ends up being evil. Yeah. Personally, this is me. I I have some feelings about that, but maybe we'll say that for another episode. <laughs> yeah, we can put put a pin in it. Okay, yeah. so let's say um, somebody listens to this podcast and they go, "Well, maybe not Pocahontas, or maybe I will watch Pocahontas." But what else? I'm just saying. What else would a person watch if not that, or if in addition to that? So you liked Pocahontas or you <laughs> or you wish you liked Pocahontas. You wanted to like Disney does history. Yeah. What what would you watch instead? If you want something that deals with some history, but also I mean, Book of Kells, go go there. You know, if you're looking for something that plays with a historical context, but still is, you know, playing with some myth and some legend. Can't go wrong with Book of Kells. That's what I keep coming back to when it comes to like Dizzy's Pocahontas. Like, want to know who did a really good job at mixing fact and legend and myth? Book of Kells. You could watch like Kubo, maybe. Like, that's, I mean, that's more oh, yeah. culture, but that also has a, a kid rather than a grown ass person. Yeah. I feel like saying Moana is really obvious at this point, but it's, it is oh, yeah. sort of the, the evolution of 
Pocahontas. I mean, I can tell you one of the papers that we wrote was uh, comparing Disney's, uh, contrasting Disney's Pocahontas with the one with Lady Eboshi. Wow, brain. The spirit, the guardian of the forest. Oh, the, oh, you're talking about Princess Mononoke. Yes. Wow. Okay. My brain kept wanting to say spirit away. I'm like, no, that's the other one you like. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You could totally watch that. Yeah. Nice. The podcast is done. Thanks. Thanks for doing it. We did it. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nellacronism and on YouTube just at Antonella and Sarah. Nella explains a thing. My name's Danny Roth. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Danny Ordinary. That is Danny with one N, Ordinary, also with one N. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember, life is hard. Watch a cartoon. You'll feel better. See you tomorrow. <laughs>